Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Now the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to press on with the fight into Rafah, sparking international alarm for the 1.4 million Palestinians taking refuge there. Aid agencies say an assault on Rafah would be catastrophic for people living in the area. Before Christmas on Drive Time, we heard from Noor Ashur, who's an Irish-based Palestinian woman who was deeply worried about her family in Gaza. At that time, her sister Aya was 29 weeks pregnant and Noor was desperate to get her out of Gaza safely to give birth to her fourth child. After that interview on Drive Time, the former master of the Coombe Hospital, Professor Chris Fitzpatrick, contacted the programme to offer help to Noor and to her sister. And before we came on air, I spoke to Noor and Professor Fitzpatrick about her sister Aya and I began by asking Noor to tell me what happened next and how her sister got out of Gaza. First of all, I would like to thank Dr. Chris for holding me and supporting me in every step while I and her family were back in Gaza. So what happened uh, that Aya got birth early and the baby Dania was two kilograms only. And she went to uh, another, uh, so Aya went to Alauda Hospital in Gaza. Okay. In Gaza. The situation was really awful because Aya got a bleeding but thanks a lot that we she could survive and um, the baby dania was really small and still small so then dr chris was doing the best to get her out after two days i uh, got separated from her child dania and she was alone in in our room there was um police in in this room she couldn't get out Okay, so just to be sure that I, I understand, Nora, so she, she her, her little baby daughter was, was very, very, very small, as you say, because she was born very early. Um, she managed to yeah. get out of Gaza and, and into Egypt. Well, when she got into the hospital in Egypt, she was put into a room and separated from the baby. Yeah, and after crying and beginning the police, she she managed to see the baby and get to feed feed her. Stay with this, Nora, if you don't mind, because Chris, um, I, I know you, you you contacted the program when you, when you heard um, when you heard what Nora had to say to us before Christmas. What help were you able to to give to her and the family? Well, first of all, just to say that Nora has been a fantastic support to her sister in everything that has happened since the the war in Gaza. I heard her on the on the on the nineteenth on the radio on, on drive time. And I was very moved by what she said about her sister and the desperate situation she was in. And, and as a former obstetrician, uh, I could read between the lines uh, the, the risks that I was exposed to. So um, I, I contacted the programme and then subsequently uh, Noor contacted me. And I was able to kind of get all of the medical information I, I required. Like I didn't have a chart and because of the fact that she wasn't in direct contact with her hospital or with her obstetrician and there were severe communication difficulties. Uh, we had to piece together uh, her medical history. Like she had three previous cesarean sections. She was over 30 weeks pregnant. Uh, and in her last cesarean section, uh, there were significant difficulties, lots of scar tissue inside her abdomen, uh, which meant that access to her womb to deliver the baby was difficult. She sustained a bladder injury uh, during that delivery also had a hemorrhage that required transfusion. Uh, And the recommendation of her obstetrician at the start of the pregnancy was because of all of these difficulties, having three caesarean sections and with uh, anticipated difficulties with her fourth caesarean section, that she should be delivered early. 
And at this stage, she was kind of disconnected from her hospital, disconnected from her obstetrician and no definite plan in place for her to be delivered. And the risk to her was that she would go into labour, not be able to get into a hospital. And with three previous cesarean sections, uh, her uterus would rupture and this would result in a fatal outcome for her and her baby. So kind of a fairly desperate situation. So we were able to get all of the information from the different uh, from the different people that she'd seen during the course of the pregnancy, different clinics she'd attended, pieced them all together and, uh, and got the IDs uh, of all of the family and... Uh, I contacted the Department of Foreign Affairs, contacted a number of politicians, uh, a number of colleagues here in Ireland were very helpful, colleagues uh, in Egypt. We were able to get on to uh, doctors in Gaza and also UNRWA and also through the uh, the Irish consulate for, for Gaza uh, to be able to send this information uh, and the uh, in relation to her, uh, the risk that I was exposed being exposed to, uh, to get them to the Palestinian uh, Ministry for Health so that we could actually escalate her to uh, the top of a list in relation to the need for medical evacuation. Uh, we're all also able to contact the Irish Red Cross to basically get on to the, the, the Red Crescent uh, to be supportive of this. Uh, I had a particularly difficult experience on the 26th of uh, of December, Stevens's day, uh, whereby she was actually let uh, go through the Palestinian checkpoint at the Rafa crossing uh, with her daughter and her sister, but was not allowed to actually bring her husband and her two children. Uh, went through no man's land, spent a considerable period of time at the Egyptian crossing point at the Rafa crossing. Uh, she was on a list for medical evacuation and and only for uh, to, uh, for her for her to be returned back uh, to Gaza again. Okay. Uh, so we were able to get the, the 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 details of her being on a list already, and pop that with our medical uh, information. Also letters of support from colleagues in St James's. Uh, the Coombe and also the Rotonda Hospital, obstetricians and paediatricians, also a consultant in, in, in Egypt who said that this woman was at high risk, uh, that provision needed to be made for her to have access to safe delivery, both in her interest and the baby's interest. And also that it would be very important that she would go across uh, to Egypt with her family and not to have to go through the whole trauma of having to select uh, basically to bring her daughter, not to bring her sons, not to be able to bring her husband. Uh, it was like Sophie's Choice, the movie Sophie's Choice, choosing one rod than the other, uh, and that she should be allowed to go to Egypt to access medical care. Uh, on the day that she actually got on the list, uh, she actually went into labour early at 36 weeks and was really fortunate that she could have a cesarean section Okay. But it was necessary to transfer the baby then to a second hospital because they had the resources to look after a premature baby. And, and then fortunately, uh, she was able to actually get uh, a, um, a transfer out of Gaza to Al-Arish Hospital. But there were problems there, as, as Noor has described. And we did send letters across uh, to uh, the hospital in Al-Arish uh, in order to, um, to improve the access 
uh, of, uh, of Aya to her baby. Uh, she was trying to breastfeed her baby uh, and had very limited access to her baby and also was uh, separated from her family who couldn't visit her while okay. she was in the hospital. And, so and a very traumatic experience. Oh my goodness, a very traumatic experience. Um, at least, as, as you say, Chris, the, the baby was delivered safely, um, but Crazy. very traumatic. Nor, can I ask you, how is your sister now? How is Aya now? I am now in Egypt, in Cairo. They have seized the passports. Uh, as a result, they no longer have the right to work, no long, no right to educate the children. They don't have any support, no health support, even financial support. So the situation is really bad. And how is the baby now? Uh, she's so small. She needs to, to stay at home, not to get any infection, because if she gets any infection, she will be in a real danger because she's really small. She's only two, two kilos and two, 200 grams. Yeah. And Chris, I imagine uh, as a baby that size, two kilos, um, the potential, as, as Nora is saying, for complications are very, very high. The baby has has done has done well, but it's it's still in the natal period and did have respiratory distress syndrome due to its prematurity and being delivered by by, by cesarean section. Uh, I think in terms of like all newborns for certainly for the first six weeks and beyond that are at risk of particularly respiratory infections. So if I were to travel, uh, it would be best to uh, not do that for uh, at least six weeks after her delivery. I think it's also important to point out that that there are three other children as well. Mm. Uh, so uh, and they're ten, twelve, and eight. And uh, and Aya and her sister Amal and husband Ibrahim have been uh, kind of trying to to, to 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 look after these as well and and the very traumatic experience uh, they've had. And I just want to just emphasise that although uh, Aya was not an Irish citizen and and the politicians and certainly the the diplomats that uh, I was in contact did emphasise the fact that uh, given that. Given that uh, their, I suppose the, the the political and diplomatic le- leverage is very limited in relation to what they could do, but everyone with we everyone we contacted uh, did their very best within the constraints that exist to, in fact, uh, advocate uh, for for I. And perhaps it, I I think that a happy conclusion uh, to this story would be, in fact, for uh, the family to come to Ireland in whatever context uh, in order to be able to kind of put their lives together. And maybe also, Sarah, finally, just to highlight that, you know, there are 50,000 pregnant women uh, in Gaza. There are over 180 babies being delivered every day. And I think this one case highlights the desperate situation that exists uh, in relation to women in pregnancy and their babies in Gaza. Um, Noor, I just want to ask you finally, because I know your father suffered a heart attack before Christmas. Can you tell me, how is he now and how is the rest of your family in Gaza? My father is um, in uh, Al-Busta now. He said that, uh, don't worry about me, I'm in a safe place, but I, I'm pretty sure that he is not, not no safe place in Gaza. As as well, my father-in-law got, got um, become a martyr before a week. He was he was shot with the six bullets. Um, he was going to bring a food for his family. I'm so sorry to hear that, Nor. He was he was going to get food for your family, and he was shot. Yeah, my father-in-law. Your father-in-law. In the north. Yeah, he he was he he's he stayed in the north of Gaza. And what age was he? 
he's an old man. He's 80 years old. I'm so sorry for your loss. I just want to say that my my father-in-law case is such a real definition of war crime. As my father-in-law, an old man, he's 80 years old, is going to search for a food to feed his hungry family members. He, he didn't do anything to get six bullets in his chest, arm and knee and legs and everywhere in his body. Noor, I'm so sorry. Um, I don't know what else to say except that I'm so sorry that you and your family are going through this and, and for the loss of your father-in-law. Thank you for talking to us today about Aya and uh, her little baby and, and her children. And, and Chris, thank you also uh, for talking to us on the show today. And we will stay in touch, Noor, and, and see how you get on in terms of trying to bring Aya and her children and her family home to Ireland. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you it's both. It's such a shock, shocking note to end on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. After all, after all that's happened. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. 